Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about trading, trading properties and the three different types of trading that we see. Now, this actually comes from a listener of the show who messaged into me and said, Ed, is, is, is trading the same thing as renovating and selling on a property, aka flipping? Is trading the same thing as flipping? And I said, no. Uh, flipping is a type of trading, but trading also means a couple of different things. And there are three different types that we'll go through. So the first, obviously, is buying a property, renovating it, and then selling it back uh, on the same market, you know, four to eight weeks later, however long it takes you to renovate that property. And and that's probably the type of trading that you'll usually make the most money out of usually because you've added value to that property you've done something to it to increase its value whether that's putting in a new kitchen or bathroom putting down some new carpet putting in some new curtains things like that doing a bit of landscaping the second type of uh, of trading is purchasing a property with the intention to sell it to another investor so this would be literally where you've bought a property of somebody, you've done nothing to it, but you've gone to an investor, perhaps somebody who's into uh, doing doing flipping, and sold it to them. Now, Andrew can talk about the sort of money you might make off those that sort of deal, but my understanding is it's usually a couple of thousand dollars you might make out of that, you know, give or take. And then the last one, which is actually most co- common, uh, I, I see it talked about a lot on the Facebook groups like the Property Investor to chat group, these sorts of things, is when you've purchased a property and you've just sold it directly back onto the market. And remember that if you're going to do that, unless you do it via a private sale, you're going to incur uh, real estate fees. So if you're going to do that sort of trading, selling back onto the market, you've not only just got to recuperate what you what you paid for the property, but also the additional 3%, 2.5%, whatever it happens to be, that real estate fee on there. So you've got to be pretty confident that you're going to be able to get that. But just before we get into your experience into this, Andrew, I think it's really interesting to think about, well, what are the instances, particularly in the latter two parts, where you haven't done anything to this property, but you've still made a profit out of it, you know, what are the sort of circumstances that lead to that actually actually happening? And I believe that, that kind of comes down to the three C's that we're going to talk about as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so so um, let's just talk about the. Um, oh, shall I talk about the types? The sorry, how that how I've done each of these first. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Let's um, get into right, that. We'll go and get into that. So this might make it a bit more um, realistic for people to understand the kind of environment where this might work. So um, buying and selling to another investor. So um, my experience in this has been when I've been involved in um, maybe earthquake damage buildings. So post earthquake, uh, there were a lot of properties where they'd receive an insurance payout from the insurance company and then someone would sell the property what's called as is where is I think Nick spoke about this on the show and Nick and I used to do these together and um, this is where we could um, maybe look at a property and say well we can repair it to the building code at a cheaper solution than what the insurance company was proposing to do and so there was some margin in it now because we had limited cash in terms of what we were able to to actually invest in these because you've only ever got a certain amount of cash um, when we had a lot more leads coming in than we had um, than we had cash available we started selling off some of these leads to other investors and there are a couple of ways you can do this you can either sell it to them and you don't have to disclose what you bought it for um, and then and then you trigger a sale and purchase so you, you purchase from from your initial person and you sell on um, or you can do what's called a nomination of a contract 
contract. So that's when you take a fee for nominating the exact contract from the original person you're purchasing off and you pass it on and you, you might, as you'd say, make a couple of thousand dollars in between. Um, but then, of course, you don't have to involve your lawyer on that. Um, it's still an income that you're making, so you're still subject to income tax, but it's not necessarily going to trigger bright line or anything like that, and you maybe eliminate the risk of being tainted as a trader at that stage if you're doing just these. Um, the, one of the things you need to have here, if you're, if you're doing this, you really have to have kind of a knowledge of the market and probably access to people um, off market. So it was it wasn't a situation where we could go to a Harcourt's agent and buy a property and then remarket to another investor because they're not going to pay extra money uh, because why would they? It's, you know, the market's already de- decided the rate. So these kind of um, deals we were finding off market. So we would, you know, maybe drop flyers or have, uh, you know, people might know who we are and, and contact us and say, hey, would you like to buy our property? And so then we negotiate a better price than what they might achieve because we've got knowledge of the market, but then we also have contacts we have knowledge of who the person, the end investor might be, and so we can bring those two together and broker that deal. Um, so, so, so the knowledge, the cash, and the contacts. Uh, the reason I was laughing before is because we said three Cs, but knowledge is okay. Um, if you're to sell back onto the open market again, if if I were to find a deal that was off market, and I thought, well, actually, this could this could maybe get a better result from. Uh, say a first home buyer or, or maybe someone looking for for their own house, they might pay a higher amount of money, then I could actually go and market that to the entire um, country uh, through a real estate agent and then it gets published you know, on all the, all the usual things like trade me and realestate.co.nz and, and again then I don't have to necessarily have those end contacts, I just have to have the cash to be able to settle it and then and then the knowledge of what what it would be worth at the end so that I can get an under market value. Um, yeah. And similarly the, the thing the thing that's really interesting about the property market is it's not a market of perfect information where everybody knows what deals are out there you know and and that everybody has the same time frame so let's talk about the consumer side where you could purchase a property on the market and then sell it back on the market uh, as opposed to an investor you might be able to get a really good deal whether because you're a, a really good negotiator but more likely because you're you're the 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 purchaser who's willing to come in and buy that property now if the seller is distressed so that might be if they need to sell it quickly so that because they're about to um, they're about to fail on their mortgage or not be able to make their mortgage payments so they need to sell it now or if they found another house to buy for example that would be a great example of where you might come along and and they've already signed up to buy something else and if they don't sell theirs and get a settlement by a particular day it might be an issue for them yes because then they need to get uh, bridging finance which might be expensive or they might not might be able be to close at all. Yeah. Uh, and so that's instances where somebody with the cash who's able to come in and, and quickly give them the money that they need can get a really sharp price because uh, they've kind of sometimes backed themselves into a corner. So that's where you might have just a longer time horizon where you can wait a little bit more on the market to get the price that you want if you've been able to negotiate something. On the investor side, it may be simply as Andrew kind of identified that you've got the lead, you've found the person who's willing to sell um, sell their property and you already know what another investor is willing to pay for that property. So if I knew that um, I was able to buy a property for $200,000 and Andrew would pay me 210000 for it, then there's $10,000 worth of margin in there where I can 
privately purchase that property, go over to Andrew, say, hey mate, I've got a property, I know you'd usually spend about 210 on this, you know, can we come to some arrangement? You slip a, um, you're able to, to execute those different transactions and then make some money there. But Andrew, talk to us a little bit about the tax implications around this. So yeah, if you're a trader, you are subject to income tax on any profits that you make. So, so if you're in the top tax bracket, that's a third that goes there. And generally speaking, you'll be subject to GST as well. So one thing that's changed, so when I was doing um, Reno and Flick, that was back when you could um, avoid, uh, when I say avoid I just get nervous because of the ta- the connotations of tax avoidance, you could avoid paying tax generally speaking if you weren't doing this on a regular basis and the IRD didn't consider it your job or your main source of income. So you could do, you know, they used to say one a year and it wasn't going to trigger any kind of alarm bells with the IRD. Nowadays it's quite a lot different and so this is not something that I do or recommend nowadays uh, personally because I because I think that you lose so much of the profit um, to the IRD and and that really just erodes any any ability to get ahead whereas I'd, I'd rather reno and keep and then use that equity to buy my next one because you only get to sell a property once and as soon as you do that you lose out on any capital growth so whilst this was great um, you know 15 years ago it's probably not necessarily something that I'd be as into nowadays but that's you know again when you buy something make it look a lot more presentable and then put it on the market and make a bit of money. And so those are the three different types of tra- uh, trading, renovation and fl- flicking, i.e. flipping, selling to another investor or purchasing a property and selling it back onto the open market. Now, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more and more people. And hey, I'm just going to quickly read out another review. This one comes from Shaz and Shane, great Kiwi couple name, by the way. And uh, this one is a five-star review titled Valuable Property Information. And uh, Shaz and Shane has, have said, love your podcast, guys. Very interesting and informative. And we really appreciate those reviews. It does help us get the message out to more and more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, then why not check out our epic guide to mortgages? This is a nine and a half thousand word guide, which teaches you both how to get a mortgage and then pay it off more quickly in today's market in 2020. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.